Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with me this morning. It's good to see you today, and uh, all those who are watching online, we're so glad that you're with us. I'm going to pray, and I want you to repeat after me as we pray, and I think it's a good prayer for all of us. Are you ready? Here we go. Father in heaven, I believe in your word. I expect your word to be true in my life. How many of you believe that? I believe that. Let's pray again. I'm so grateful for you to be here today. So Lord, today bless each and every person here. Touch our lives, our mind, our hearts. And Lord, let us be good ground for good seed today. In Jesus' holy name, amen. You may be seated. Turn and say, I'm glad you're here, neighbor. Carrie's birthday is today. She turns 29. And we have a little granddaughter who's two and a half years old by the name of Riley. And Riley calls me Papa and calls Carrie Cece. So the other day I asked uh, Riley because of Carrie's birthday and I said, uh, I said, what should Papa get Cece for her birthday? And Riley said, a camel. I have no idea where that came from, but I don't think that Carrie is expecting a camel. And uh, if she gets one, it will not be from Papa. So uh, we, we do know that it is always difficult to expect something and not get it from something or someone. And I've shared this before. I, I remember many years ago when Carrie and I started dating and right before we got married, uh, you, you begin to introduce your new uh, fiancé to the family. How many of you know that's fun? It, it's always introducing someone new that you love to your family because there's always one or two in the family that's just a little weird. And so I was uh, with a family event, and Carrie was with me, and we get back in the car, and she's upset, and and, and I said, what are you upset about? She said, well, don't you know how they act and what they do? And I said, yeah, I know that. And um, she said, but you act like it doesn't bother you. And I said, well, not that it doesn't bother me. I just know that that's what I'm going to get, you know. You're just expecting what you're expecting. And I say, you leave frustrated because you're expecting something different. I don't leave frustrated because I know what I'm going to get, so I get what I expect, Right. And so that's something that we all face. It's a challenge for everybody here because we do have expectations. You know, I expect spring to come soon. I expect the sun to come up in the morning. But those are things that we expect. Other things, you know, we, we get promises. We don't get those promises fulfilled, and therefore our expectation gets dashed. In 1955 of April, uh, you know, there was a, a man that was really famous, Winston Churchill. He went through World War II. Uh, he's the Prime Minister of Great Britain. But in 1955, as they're facing elections, uh, he decided that he was going to step down from being the Prime Minister of Great Britain. And there were a lot of reasons. His age had been through World War II. There's a lot of stress. Uh, you know, he didn't know if he would be elected. But the main reason, he said, was a promise that he made to his wife, Clementine. And he told her that 
There's going to come a day that I'm going to get out of politics and I'm going to spend the rest of my life focusing in on our marriage, our love, and our companionship. And he kept that promise, and 10 years later, in 1965, Sir Winston Churchill died. But all of us make promises, don't we? And not all of us keep our promises, and I know I don't, but there are things that certainly we try. In your Bible, there's over 8,000 blessings and promises. Did you know that? There's over 7,000 in the Old Testament, and there's about 1,000 in the New Testament. Now, the, the chapter in the Bible, which is chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, has the most blessings and promises of any chapter in the Bible. Now, let me give you the setting. The setting is God spoke to Moses, and he says, when the children of Israel cross into the promised land, I want them to go through a valley between Mount Gerizim and Mount Ebal. And in that valley, I want you on the sides of those small mountains to have different people stationed and as they go through on Mount Gerizim, I want them to pronounce the blessings of God. If you serve God, if you serve him only, you're blessed in the home, you're blessed in the field, you're blessed in the city, your storehouse will be blessed, your basket will be blessed, your livestock will be blessed, your children will be blessed. I mean, blessing after blessing after blessing. But on the other side of the mountain were the curses. If you don't follow God, if you don't keep his commandments, you're cursed in the city. You're cursed in the field. Your, your home is cursed. Your children are cursed. Listen, it's important to follow the blessings and the promises of God. And, and here's the key. They're for all of us. They're not just for those people back in those days. They're for you today and they're for me today. And we can expect the blessing of God. This is what Peter said about the promises of God. He said they're exceedingly great and precious promises. How many of you know, God's got great promises for you today, and he has great promises for me. If you have your Bible this morning, turn with me to Hebrews 11. We know that's the faith chapter, but at the end of that chapter, uh, we, we have some names given, and we have a very important line that I want you to catch today. Verse 32 and what more shall I say, for time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, and put foreign armies to flight. But look there in verse 33 with me, please. I have it underlined here. Obtained promises. Would you say that with me? Obtain promises. Let's all say it again. Here we go. Obtain promises. You know, the Bible says they obtain promises. Now, the word there, obtain, means to hit the mark, to reach for, to get. Now, picture in your mind, here's the promises of God, and you're reaching out to take hold of those promises. You're reaching out to embrace the things that God said about you, said about me, because I want you to know the promises of God are yea and amen. They're good for you. They're, they're a blessing to us, and we need to pursue those promises. We need to reach out to them. We need to grab hold of them. And these people believed they expected God to keep his word. They expected God to keep his promise. And guess how they obtained the promise? Through faith. 
They reached out by faith and they said, I believe the promises of God are for me and I embrace those promises. Now, they did it by faith. If you remember the chapter, chapter 11, by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, and it goes on and on and on. How did they obtain the promise? By faith. We just believe, we expect God's word to be true. Does anybody expect that here today? I expect God to keep his word. Now, why would I do that? I'm glad you asked me. Here's the first one. Because God's promises are definite. Say that with me. God's promises are definite. It's not a wishy-washy declaration. It's not a iffy promise. It's not a wishy-washy maybe so. God's promises are definite. Listen to Romans 8:28. Most of you know this verse. For we know, say that with me, for we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Notice the definite here as Paul writes. And we what? We know. Not we think, not maybe, not iffy. Well, he might come through for us. We what? We know. I mean, we're sure of this. We know. You remember how um, David ended the 23rd Psalm? We actually sang it just a moment ago. I believe it's about verse 6. He's ending the 23rd Psalm, and he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now, this is how he didn't end the 23rd Psalm. I'm hoping that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm surmising that goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I'm hoping. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. How long? Forever. He said, I'm sure of it. Now, this is not just a one-time thing. Follow along with me. Psalm 58, verse 11. We're going to put it on the screen. Surely there's a reward for the righteous. Surely there is. Do you believe that? I believe that. Hezekiah, when the uh, Assyrian army came to surround Jerusalem, they're going to take the capital city. And you remember back in those days, they would try to wait you out. They would surround the city. They would cut off the water supply, cut off the food supply, and then they would begin to bombard you with ramming the gates, tearing down the walls. That'd make you very weak. But I want you to see something that Hezekiah said when the Assyrians began to try to defeat Israel. He said, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. How many of you know that's pretty positive? I mean, he just believed God. Solomon, Ecclesiastes 8.12, I surely know that it will be well with those who fear, fear God. You know what he's saying? If you fear God, it's going to be well with you. Isaiah 56, surely the Lord God will help me. I mean, these are all very positive statements. Why? Because God's word, his promises are definite. They are sure. And we have to approach them, embrace them, believe them as surety. Do you remember when Paul was arrested at the temple area because the Jews were very upset with him? And then they were going to have the Romans try him there in Jerusalem but Paul did something that was his right. He says, I appeal to Caesar. Now, the reason he could do that is because Paul was a Roman citizen. 
He was a Jew, but he also was a citizen of Rome. So he could have that adjudicated uh, in Rome. It's like appeals. He said, I appeal to Caesar. So there's a higher court that I'm appealing to. So they're going to take him to Rome. They're going to have him appear before Caesar. But the trip there was pretty tough. How many of you remember that in the Bible? It's in Acts chapter 27. So he gets on the ship. They're sailing through the Mediterranean. But this huge storm arises on the sea. This storm is so violent, everyone thinks they're going to die. They're throwing the cargo over. They're throwing the tackling of the ship over. They're doing everything they can to survive the storm. This storm doesn't happen for an evening. It's all day, another day, another day, and they think they're going to die. But I want to pick it up at verse 23, and this is what Paul is saying to the crew. For there stood by me this night an angel of God to whom I belong and serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted to you all those who sell with you. So now Paul goes back as he rehearses this to the crew. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. Isn't that awesome? Paul said, I, I know there's a storm. We're in the middle of a storm, but I believe it's going to be just like God spoke to me. Has anybody here ever gone through a storm? Five people. Have you ever been through a difficult time? I mean, a marriage storm, a kid storm, a health storm, a financial storm, a job storm. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hey, I'm preaching better than what you think here. I mean, everybody has been through a storm. And in the middle of the storm, you're wondering if you're going to survive. Is my marriage going to survive? Am I going to survive this health issue? Am I going to survive this financial crisis? Am I going to survive with, you know, my kids? <laughs> but it is a real issue. Because we go through those challenges and we wonder, am I going to survive? But here Paul is in the middle of a storm. And wouldn't this be good for us? How many of you know the Bible is written for our benefit? That we don't read it just as a story. We read it as a roadmap to live our own lives. And Paul said, listen, I know we're in the middle of a storm. I know it looks like we're all going to die. But I believe what God said about this situation. And I want you to know, this is what God said, and I believe it to be truth. And so the promises of God are very direct. They're decisive. And we have to believe that. Here's, here's the, the second thing I want you to know this morning. Not only are God's promises definite, they're definite because God's promises are divine. They're divine. Now, now what does that mean, Pastor? Have you ever made a promise you didn't keep? Now, you might have meant to keep the promise. Maybe you said to someone, listen, you can count on me. I'll be there at 1 o'clock. And then you get on the bypass, and somebody's gone 20. Or there's a wreck, or maybe it's weather, or circumstances beyond your control, and you didn't get there at 1 o'clock. You meant to get there, but circumstances arose that you couldn't keep your promise and that happens. It happens to everybody, right? But you know what? God keeps his promises. Not only are they direct, but they're divine. Now, what do you mean, pastor, they're divine? L listen as I read. Th this is uh, Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. 
What God says will come to pass. Now, it may not come to pass in your timetable, but it will come to pass. You know, there's a lot of people who have thrown up their hands and they've just kind of quit because God didn't do it like they thought God should do it. But God is not like me and he's not like you. He's not a man that he should lie. God will keep his promises. God will keep his blessings. You know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. So God is going to move the way God moves. But I'll guarantee you God will keep his word. And we have to believe that. We have to obtain that what? By faith, we take that in, we believe it, because it's the word of God. Now, here's the third thing. Promises delayed are not promises denied. So God's promises are direct. They are definite. They're divine. And sometimes the promises of God are delayed, but they're not denied. Let me tell you why. Because of that timetable I talked about. You remember a couple by the name of Abraham and Sarah? Now, if I was God, and I'm not God, but if I was making this promise to a couple, and I said, uh, you're going to have a kid, I think I'd make it when they're about 30. Would, would my odds be better? Maybe 40s, 50s. How many of you know 60s is pushing the envelope? When you get to Abraham and Sarah, you're on the other side of the envelope. <laughs> I don't know if anybody watches old movies. I love old black and white movies. Anybody like old black and white movies? I like the Marx Brothers. Carrie hates them. And there's one scene in the Marx Brothers where the lady's got Groucho and she says, hold me, hold me, hold me. And he said, lady, if I was any closer to you, I'd be on the other side. <laughs> But we have to realize that God just doesn't work like we work. I mean, here this couple is, they're past their 60s. They're past their 70s. And God's making them a promise that looks like it's on the other side of the envelope, but God still makes it. And I'm sure if you were Abraham and Sarah, you're looking at each other and saying, I don't know how this is ever going to happen. And so they decided to help God. How I many you know sometimes if we help God, we... <laughs> We hinder our own self. Have you ever wondered if God really needed help? I don't think he needs any help. But, you know, the, the years rock on. God made a promise. I mean, this is his word. And, and Sarah and Abraham are looking at each other. It's not happening. I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, so Sarah says, well, Abraham, maybe you need to try to have a child with this bondwoman that we have, Hagar. How many of you know that was a mistake? And we're still paying for that mistake in 2021. Okay, some of you get that on the way home. So they try to help God, and then Ishmael's born. And do you realize that uh, God began to speak to Abram about Ishmael when he's 86 years old, but he doesn't speak again until he's 99. I mean, in the Bible it goes really quick, but he doesn't speak again until he's 99. He allows 13 years to pass before he speaks to Abram again. Now, I, I thought about this. Why is 13 years passing from this promise that God makes to the birth of Ishmael until we see God coming back and says, no, no, Ishmael's not the heir. Isaac is going to be the heir, right? And you're going to have a son. It's going to be through you and Sarah, not you and Hagar. But he waits 13 years before the birth of Isaac. 13 years 
is when the Jewish people believe a man becomes a full age. And they have a celebration for that. It's called what? A bar mitzvah. How many of you have ever heard of that? So at 13, they, they have a bar mitzvah for their boys at 13 because, you know, spiritually and legally, they're moving into manhood. When, when Mary and Randy and I and Carrie were in uh, Israel and Jerusalem several years ago, uh, we were there in the area of the Temple Mount and the Wailing Wall. And many of you have seen the Wailing Wall, where people go up to the, to the place of prayer at the wall. It's uh, the western side of the Temple Mount. And we went there and we prayed. The women have to go to one section. The men have to go to another. You have to have your head covered. And so we were praying at the Wailing Wall. But in that vicinity, there were families, men, bringing their 13-year-old boys in celebrating that transition from a boy to manhood, they were having their bar mitzvah. And these men, many of them had their sons, I mean, there was more than one going on, and they'd have their sons on their shoulders. And they would come into the temple area, especially the wailing wall, and, and they would be singing, and they would be dancing, and there would be flutes and tambourines and drums, and, and, and the other boys from junior high would be around them. I mean, it was a big celebration. And, and these men had their boys on their shoulders, and they were dancing around, and they would get to the wailing wall, and they'd take the scroll, and they would dance with the scroll, and their sons and their, their sons' friends, and it was a big celebration at 13. God waited until Ishmael was 13 before Isaac would be born. This is the time where circumcision comes in as the sign of the covenant. But I'm thinking, what's God doing here? He's just delaying the promise even further. But I believe this, God is saying there's only one promised son in this house. Ishmael's not it. I'm going to wait till he becomes a man. Then you're going to have the promised child in your house because this is not him. So even though it's delayed, it's not denied, God still kept his promise. And maybe you're here today and you're praying for something. You're hoping for something. You're expecting something. And it's not happening quite like you want it. Let me tell you, that's happened to me many times. And it could be at any junction of your life, for any reason in your life. But I'm going to tell you, we need to expect God to keep his promise. And if we live in that spirit of expectation, I'm going to guarantee you, your life is going to go so much better. And my life is going to go so much better. So we realize that the birthing that God's doing is going to come through the promise of Isaac, through Abraham and Sarah. But the question is, what's God birthing in your life? What's he birthing in my life? What, what am I expecting? What am I looking for? What, what am I challenged with? Because God challenges all of us with many things. And we can help facilitate that expectation. God does his part. I have to do my part. That's the part we don't like. God just do it all. Let me go back to a verse that we talked about earlier, Romans eight twenty eight. It says, and we know that all things work together for good. Those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Okay, God, you're going to work things for good in my life. Now, whoa, 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 hold it. You've got a part to play. Look at this. Do you love God? Are you called of God? Are you walking in his purpose? That verse does not say God will do that for everybody. But he'll do it for everybody who loves him 
who are called by him and who's walking in their purpose. Are you with me? Now, if we're doing that, that verse doesn't say everything's good. There's a lot of stuff that's happened to me that wasn't good. Can I hear an amen? But you know what God has the ability of doing? He takes what is not good to us and he turns it around for our good and what we thought wasn't good, he makes good and it takes us further, promotes us and helps us along the way. That's what God does. But I have to be a co-laborer with him. I have to be in fellowship with him and I have to walk with him for that to happen, right? So we can take those promises, take the word of God and apply them to our life. Now I want to end with this today, and, and I did this in the, in the first service. How many of you have ever had a duh moment? Duh. You ever, you ever done that? I, I mean, somebody else did it, or you did it, and all of a sudden you had a pause and you said, duh. Come on, help me out here. Duh. Come on. Duh, everybody's had a duh moment. So I want to give you some believers' duh moments here. Are you ready? Can can you handle this this morning? Expecting a harvest when you haven't sown. That's a duh moment. What are you doing? I'm expecting God to bless me. I'm expecting a harvest. Have you sown anything? No. Duh. That's a duh moment. Why would you say that, Pastor? Because it's just so true. Because we can have those moments. Genesis 26, this is an account of Isaac, that promised son we talked about earlier. Now, Isaac is um, carrying on the promises of God because the Bible says that the nations of the world would be blessed through the lineage of Abraham, right, the father of faith. So here Isaac is birthed, and now he grows up, and he gets married, and he's continuing on. And I want to pick it up at verse 12. Then Isaac sold in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Now, that, that's out of context, so let me put it into context. We're, we're in the time of a famine and a drought. I mean, it hadn't rained. And guess what? If you're a wise person... You, you wouldn't plant anything in the middle of a drought, would you? That's just common sense, right? Let me tell you, that's what gets us in trouble. We, we take common sense over faith. We, we, we take our sense over God's sense. Our reason over God's reasoning. And I believe God is really in between the lines saying this. Does anybody read between the lines in the Bible? I mean, I do all the time. I'm not trying to change the word of God. But but let me just address this. I believe God is saying, Isaac, I called your father here to this land. I I know there's difficulties. I know there's challenges. I, I know there's times that you don't understand. But Isaac, please don't make the same mistake your father made. Because at the time that Abraham came to Canaan, there was a drought, there was a famine, and Abraham had difficulty trusting God to keep him in the land that he called him to, that Abraham left and went to Egypt, and it didn't work out good in Egypt because he brought something back he shouldn't have. Can I hear an amen? 
And I believe God is saying, Isaac, please don't make the same mistake your father made. Stay right here. I called you here. I didn't call you there. And the Bible says that Isaac sold in that land when no one else sold, and he didn't bring forth 30-fold. He didn't bring forth 60-fold. He brought forth what? A hundredfold. It marked him as one of the most significant and richest men in all of Canaan. You say, why would you say that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the Bible says that Abraham wasn't rich. The Bible says he was very rich. And now Isaac is taking the blessing of his father Abraham and now God's saying the blessing of your father is now upon you but if you'll have faith to trust me sow your seed even though it doesn't look like you should sow your seed. But here's the dove moment. We're expecting a harvest when we didn't sow anything. That's a dove moment. Well, God's going to bless me. I mean, God's going to do what Luke 6.38 says, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, be put in your bosom. The same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And that's what I'm believing. Well, that's great. But have you sown anything? Did, did you put anything out there? Because here's what the verse says. It's going to be measured back to you more than what you what gave. And if I didn't give anything, it's hard for God to keep his word and give it back to me in multiplication because I didn't sow anything in the first place. Let me tell you a duh thing that I'll do maybe this uh, summer. Uh, I'll go out to the fields, and I, I've got a few of them, and I, I'm going to get my, my swather ready, and, and I'm going to get the rake ready, and I'm going to get the baler ready, and get the tractor ready, and I'm going to go out and bale some hay. Well, pastor, did you plan any? No, but I'm going to bale some. And you know what? You'd look at me, and you'd say, duh. But you know what? People do that all the time. They do it all the time because we expect to reap a harvest and we haven't sown anything. Number two, here's the second duh moment. Expecting to have friends when you're not friendly. Oh, you ought to preach with me now. It's hard to warm up to an iceberg. It's hard to cuddle up to a porcupine. Quit looking around. But I'm going to guarantee you I see people all the time. Well, I just don't have any friends. People aren't friendly to me. How many of you know there is a law of God that works in everybody's life? Proverbs 28, uh, 20, uh, 18, verse 28. If a man has friends, he first must be friendly. You know, I don't need the Strong's Concordance and a Philadelphia lawyer, and a seminary student to break that verse down for me. Do you? If you're an old grouch, and if you're a young grouch, when you get older, you'll be a worse grouch. He's preaching now, Ethel. Jim, one of our elders over here to my left, uh, him and his brother Jeff, their dad was an engineer. 
and he worked on large construction projects all over the United States, and so they traveled a lot. So they'd complete this project. It may be a, a, a lake dam. It may be a reservoir. It could be anything. And so Jim and Jeff moved around a lot, and uh, Jim told me that uh, we went to a lot of schools. So we'd go enroll in this school. We'd be there maybe a year, and then Dad would get a different project. We'd go to another school. And Jim said that on the first day of school, Jeff would make three new friends, and I'd have three fights. <laughs> and he said, we'd go to another school, and Jeff would make three new friends, and I'd have three more fights. How many of you are glad God changed Jim? <laughs> because, I mean, we, we can have that attitude because, you know, it, it's pretty elementary here. If we're going to have friends, we have to be friendly. And so... You know, you have to move beyond that dumb moment, right? Here's the next one. Expecting to finish what you have not started. <laughs> Expecting to finish what you have not started. Well, one of these days, I'm going to. I aim to. Well, quit aiming, just shoot. I aim to. You know, I aim to get better. I, I aim to you know, help myself, uh, my personality. I, I aim to, you know, uh, help, you know, get motivated. I, I aim to do this. I aim to do that. Uh, you know, one day I'm going to work on my marriage. I'm going to work on my finances. I'm going to uh, get with my kids. I'm going to do this and that. And, you know, it just goes on and on and on, right? So we have to be careful that sometimes we think we're going to finish, but we haven't even started. And so the good news is what God started in you the Bible says he would complete. So God's not just a starter, he's a completer. So if I get with him, he'll complete what he started in me, and he'll show me how to complete what I started, but you cannot complete anything you don't start. And sometimes it seems like a small start, and I'm going to help somebody right now. It may seem like a little bitty step you're making, but that's okay. Do not despise the day of small beginnings. Just take that first step. Just push aside that first snicker bar. I mean, just whatever. Someone said, I think we need to have a support group for peanut M&Ms. And I thought, I may join. <laughs> but, but you just start. And sometimes we're expecting things that we haven't even started to make a move on that we think we're going to expect a completion to it. And here's the last one. Expecting to have an abundant life without the life giver. It's hard to expect the abundant life without the life giver. Because this is what Jesus said. Not only do I want to give you life, but I want to give you life more abundantly. And, and this is the mistake that all of us have made, and I've made it. You look at someone else's life, and you think it's always better. You know, they have a nicer car. Uh, they have more money, maybe a better job, they live in a better house, uh, you know, their body looks better than you, and, and, and you know, we come up with a hundred different things. But you don't know the whole story, and I don't know the whole story. You see, wealth and abundance is not all about your account. It's not all about your house or your car, nothing wrong with those. And, and I pray that your account is overflowing and your house is great and your, 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 your car runs and all those things. But I know that's not the only measure of happiness and abundance. Let me tell you, when 
little Riley runs up to me and says, Papa, and jumps up in my lap, let me tell you, that's abundance. And when little Ian comes up and hugs my leg, that's okay. I may not have the bank account somebody else has, but let me tell you, I got some joy in those things. And when I see you here and we're worshiping God together and I listen to the worship and praise and I'm, I'm over here at my, my place and, and I feel the, the, the Holy Spirit moving in my heart and the gratitude and the thanksgiving, let me tell you, that's worth something. It, it's that abundance that Jesus said he'd give. But life not only is this life, but it's beyond this life, Right? It's eternal life because we need to have that abundance. We need to have that assurance that we're not only going to live life here, but we're going to live beyond this life. We're going to have eternal life with Jesus Christ. You know, everybody wants heaven, but they don't want Jesus. But let me tell you, the only way you're going to get to heaven is with Jesus, right? And so it's a dull moment if you think you're going to get to heaven without Jesus, right? It's kind of like the little girl who boarded the airplane and she's reading the Bible on the plane and this atheist that's in the seat next and says what are you reading she says I'm reading about Jonah and the whale and he said little girl surely you don't believe that she said surely I do so you you can't believe that a whale swallowed a guy he was in the belly of the whale for three days then he got out alive certainly how does that work she said I don't know when I get to heaven I'll ask him And he said, well, what if he's not in heaven? She said, then you'll have to ask. (laughs) But you know, we believe the word of God. We believe the promises of God. We believe what God said. We believe his word to the point that we, by faith, embrace it. And in that, Jesus said, we could have abundant life. You see, expectation is not an age thing. It's an attitude. It's a spirit. You and I need to live in the spirit of expectation. I'm expecting things to get better. I'm expecting my marriage to be better. I'm expecting my health to be better. I'm expecting my finances to be better. You say, well, why would you do that? It's sure better than expecting them not to be better. That's why I do it. And if you want to be negative, Nelly, you go right ahead because I'm going to live the abundant life in Jesus Christ. I'm going to believe the promises of God. I'm going to have faith in God. And I'm going to guarantee you I'm going to be happier than the person who does not. And if my life ends here, it's goodbye world and hello Jesus. Because the life that we're living is not just here, but it's beyond here. And that's the life we're looking for. Can I hear an amen? Would you bow your head with me today? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you were encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.